This show is made possible by you, our listeners. If you like what you hear, and if you want to help us tell more stories and reach more people, then from only two US dollars a month, you can become a patron of the show. Just visit patreon.com forward slash Aruka Network. Before writing was developed, cultures passed along their traditions, history, and identity through stories, proverbs, poems, songs, and riddles. These are all known as oral art forms. In other words, they are spoken, sung, or chanted, and can form part of dance, drama, or discussion. They're a way to communicate everything that matters without putting anything into writing. I'm Jake Lloyd, you're listening to the How to Build Community Show, and in this episode, you'll hear that even though these oral art forms are ancient, they're still an important way to build community today. When people who cannot read and write make contribution in orality, it has amazed some of us. These people have rich knowledge. That is the, the, the change it brings. That's the voice of Paul Conte from Sierra Leone. He is a pastor, farmer, and an expert in using these oral communication techniques, otherwise known as orality, to bring people together to work on shared goals. And in the interview you're about to hear, Paul tells me how he does this. So you'll find out how orality has helped him to make sure that everyone in a community can participate in local decision-making processes, including those who cannot or struggle to read and write. You'll learn how orality can be used to effectively build understanding in a community. And you might pick up some tips on how you could use orality skills in your own life and work. But I asked Paul to begin by telling me about the context in which he uses orality in Sierra Leone. And he told me about the aim of his work when he goes into communities as a pastor. It is community development. It's how can we bring people to the point of living a full life that is looking at the social aspect, looking at the spiritual aspect, looking at the emotion aspect of the people. So it is the holistic aspect of people, develop, developing people holistically. So it's not only focused on evangelism, but it's looking at how the person can grow holistically. So Paul works with communities to help them lift themselves out of poverty using their own skills and resources. He also trains other people to work with their communities in the same way. But when he began to do this work, he noticed that his methods did not work for everyone. As you go along, there are people who are left behind, like those who cannot read and write, those who are illiterate, they are left behind. And so I thought of how can we include them? Because the aspect of the, the process is including others, is inclusion and participation. And if we are working with communities, we have people who cannot read and write. They are also important. They need to be included. This is how orality came in. How can we work with these people? How can they do the same process, but do it in a way that they will also be part of it? He told me that he came across orality after receiving training from an organization called Progressing Together. 
And he says he immediately saw its potential. Orality is simply uh, a method of learning whereby people acquire knowledge by using symbols, drama, telling stories, drawing, and other techniques. Not necessarily uh, reading and writing as the formal education. I then said to Paul that although orality was new to me, it sounded like something ancient, and he agreed. That is very true, but we have left it behind. <laughs> and, and that is the challenge now we are having. We've left it behind. Now it's time to pick it up again and see how we can work with both of them. Because when the reading and writing came, we left it completely and take the reading and writing. But now we're saying, let's work with both of them. So those who cannot read and write can work with it easily. It has been there in our context, in our culture, we are taught orally. The history of our villages, our grandparents taught us not by writing. They will sit us in the evening and tell us a story about the village, how it came about, people who have been there. And that's what we have been passing from one generation to another before the writing came. So we, we just forgot about it. But now we are saying, let's pick that important aspect and put it back in the in a toolbox and use it for our development and our good as a nation. I then found out from Paul that for any community activity he did that would normally involve writing, he could now use an oral alternative. But how would he do this? Well, he started from the beginning. Now, one of the things that we do when we go to the community is for the community to develop a vision a vision for the community. And in orality, we help them so that they will imagine the community that they think they want to see. And after imagining that community, we give them opportunity, divide them into different groups, and then they draw the community that they want to see. Drawing that community, they will come and display it. And by just displaying it, they, we've seen a lot of community people, you see the joy in their face to see the development that they want to see, the change that they want to see. Some will put up a, a, a community where they, they do not have good drinking water. You see them put a tap that they want a tap. Community where they do not have electricity lights, you see they put that as part of what they want to see. You know, a community where they are not united, they have some division. You see that as the symbol that they will put part of those things that they will do. And the, the good aspect of it is because all of them see it and then they start to walk towards it. We've seen communities where they have done things like that and they are walking towards it, achieving those things one after the other. And uh, that, that's the beauty of it. That's the, 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 the richness of it, because even those who cannot read and write, they will have that in their mind and they are running towards it. We've seen that in many communities. And also another thing that uh, in some of our communities, when we take them through the process and uh, talking about resources, they have a lot of resources in the communities, but they don't know that they have them. So when we do this process with the community, they come to realize that we have these resources around us. 
and then they begin to use them. That's also the other beauty, starting to use those resources that they, they have. Now, I realize drawing isn't, strictly speaking, an oral activity, but this exercise obviously involves discussion and not writing. But how does he use orality to help a community turn a drawing into reality? Well, he told me that the next step is to create a plan and for people to work in small groups on different parts of this plan. And, well, I'm used to a plan being information written on paper or typed on a computer screen so that people can remember it, refer to it and add to it. But Paul explained to me how he would use oral techniques to do exactly the same thing. In orality, we use uh, storytelling, doing drama, uh, singing, dancing. So all of those things are what they use. Like, for example, when they do the, the, the vision drawing, they will encourage people who know how to sing, how they can put this in a song. They will encourage people who, can, who know how to to act, play. They will dramatize the community that they want to see or the community that they have. So that is a clear picture that brings their attention. So what Paul is describing here is how, as people work together to identify the needs in their community and look at ways they might address these needs using local resources... Orality techniques allow everyone to use their gifts to add to the process. In groups, some might make up a song to describe their community and their vision for the community they want to see. Others might choose drama or tell a story. And when added together and shared, all these different communication techniques help the community as a whole to understand their reality better and their vision for the future. So they have a strong starting point from which to identify and address their needs. Now, I wonder if you've ever had to take minutes in a meeting listing what decisions are made and what actions people need to take after the meeting. Well, I've certainly had to do this in the past, but as an amateur musician, I told Paul that I much prefer the idea of writing a song instead of taking minutes. And I can imagine people would much prefer to listen to a song rather than read the minutes of a meeting. And he said this is exactly how he uses orality. And in this clip now, you'll hear an example of this music from a community in which he works. Maybe some who are not a part of the meeting, when others go, they sing the song. And through that, they learn. And they ask, which song is this? People share with them. It is a song about our community and what we, we, we want to see, the change we want to see. So that is the beauty. So you, you know, you are a musician, and I'm also a musician. So music, it's one thing that brings people together also. Even those who cannot read and write, they can sing. And the thing is, they sing in their local dialects. It's not uh, English. It's what they, they speak out. That's what they sing. And what, what about drama then? Give me some examples of how drama can be used. One of the things that we, we take them to is to share how their community used to be. 
And so people will be divided into different groups and then they will act the community itself. Somebody will serve as the chief, somebody will serve as a community uh, doctor or whatever, whatever that has been happening in that community. That is what they will just ask. And people will, then they will ask questions about that drama, what they see in that drama, what does that tell them about the community that they live? Do, are, are they happy about the community? What is it that they want to change in that community that's looking at the drama that it is good to change? So this is what helped the change. When they ask the play, they ask questions that will generate discussions and uh, uh, changes that they want to see. So how do people decide what to do next? Paul explained how he uses stones to help people make this decision. For instance, if we do something like prioritization, you know, in prioritization, you have uh, like three things or five things that the people will list that they want to achieve. But they need to look at those things, which of these things we should do first. So we give stones to people. If there are five items, we give you for the first three prioritized things that you want to see achieved. We give you those three stones, each of them that are in the group, in the, in the community. We give them the three stones. So they will take the stone. If pipe bond water is what the person wants as the first thing, they will put the stone there. And as many people that decide with the, the stone, they will put the stone the place where they think this is what I need. Pipe bomb water, good road, uh, a hospital. Those are the places that they will put the stones. Uh, and after which the, the facilitator will bring them all together. They will see the stones and then they will count the stones. And so there you have a basic introduction to how orality can be used in community development, with music, drama, discussion and stories taking the place of the written word. And as one key aim of orality is to involve people who cannot read or write. Finally, I asked Paul if he felt these people bring something new or different into the process. When people who cannot read and write make contribution in orality, uh, when they know how to do those things. It has amazed some of us. These people have rich knowledge, but we just think they don't know. That is the, the, the change it brings. They make meaningful contribution like those who can read and write, and sometimes those who can read and write even admire at them what they give out. You know, that, that, that is the, 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 the thing about it. It is just the same, and sometimes even more for those who cannot read and write. I tell you, a greater part of where we have done this thing, people who read and write are amazed to hear people who cannot read and write their contributions in meetings, in, in things that they do, even in studying the Bible, their inputs in studying the Bible is amazing. They know it and they contribute immensely. Wow. It must excite you. I mean, when you discovered orality, did it, and you began to see it open up this uh, 
hearing the voices of these people who you may not have heard from before how did how did that make you feel how do you feel about orality oh that is the joy for me because the whole aspect of the process is empowering people the aspect of the process is participation but as you go along the process the empowerment goes down the participation goes down so when orality came the, 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 that answers the questions again about empowerment, empowering these people, involving these people, their participation. So it, it gives me the greatest joy, I must tell you. And for me, I just think this is one of the ways to go if we are to get it right with people and involving people. This is one of the greatest ways to go. That was Paul Conte from Sierra Leone introducing us to orality. If it's something that you'd like to learn more about, then send an email to jude.collins at tearfund.org. That's J-U-D-E dot C-O-L-L-I-N-S at tearfund.org. And Jude will be able to put you in touch with an orality expert in your part of the world. But that's it for this episode. Before we go, don't forget that you can help support this show by making a small monthly donation on our Patreon page. Just visit patreon.com forward slash Aruka Network. You can read and download every edition of Tear Fund's Footsteps magazine at learn.tearfund.org, including editions on participatory communication and community-led advocacy. If you'd like to learn more about Aruka, then visit arukanetwork.org. You can catch up on previous episodes of How to Build Community online or in your podcast player. Just search How to Build Community. And finally, if you have feedback on this show or maybe suggestions for a future interviewee, then you can reach me via email jake at arukanetwork.org. But that's it for this episode. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.